Hello, everybody. So, uh, I'm just recording this by myself. I'll see how long I can record by myself. Um, to the people who have never done a podcast, you have no idea how hard it is to record a podcast by yourself. I really respect the people who do this on a weekly basis. And I'm not being this whatever. <laughs> I'm not trying to diss anybody. I'm not making jokes. I'm being dead serious. Um so first things first. Um hopefully everybody enjoyed our last episode with the Black Heart podcast. Um we've gotten a lot of feedback from it. Everybody seemed to enjoy that crossover. I can guarantee it won't be the last time we record with them. Um, so yeah, shout out to April and Bird. Um, yeah, man, it's just been weird. Um, so this week, me and Kim celebrated five years of this podcast, and that's insane. Um, so shout out to Kim, of course. She couldn't record today, but you know, you know, we always gonna be back. Um, I'm trying to do that of any housekeeping things I need to do before. Um, one thing I do want to address <laughs> about our last episode. One, uh, we were recording with two different sets of mics, so I wasn't personally pleased with how the audio came out with, but that's just me being a fucking nerd. Um, but, uh, that also, um... I mean, really just that. Uh, We talked about some controversial topics, but I feel like we got a a well-balanced episode and um, hopefully everybody enjoyed the dialogue and the discussion. One good thing is when you do a crossover, you never know like how things are going to come out. I've listened to their podcast a, a good bit and I... I graduated from A&M. I think we talked about it in an episode. Same time as April. And when Bird was also there. So I think Bird graduated before us. Um, But yeah. So I knew them through like social media. Kim, of course, grew up with Bird. Um, but I was just nervous just because I'm a fucking weirdo. And I don't be knowing if like everybody's going to like... Be like, this nigga is weird and this is hilarious, or this nigga is weird and what the fuck is going on? So hopefully, I gave off the vibes of this nigga is weird but hilarious. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, we that session, I have a whole nother like hour of stuff I haven't put out yet too. I keep like building up all these like hours of things that I haven't done, like put out yet or edited. And it's just like, man, why am I doing this to myself? But eventually I'll get around to it. I've been doing this new thing in life where I'm not being, uh, I'm trying to be an active participant in my life, which sounds crazy to some people, but, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've been not happy for a while. I mean, in my life, comparatively. Um, I'm in a good place now. 
I just started therapy again. Um, that seems to be going good. I'm also focusing on my health a little bit more. Uh, you know, so just being depressed and sitting around and wallowing in my depression, I'm being proactive in it. So y'all pray for me in that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm in a good space. I'm uh, a little bit more confident lately. This sounds like a therapy session. I'm sorry. Doing this alone, like I said, is fucking hard. But anyway, so yeah. I went to the allergist yesterday. Because I was like, I have to be allergic to a lot of things. My nose is always running. I'm always sneezing and fucking sniffling on the fucking microphone. And I was just like, all right, we're going to get this shit addressed now. I went to the fucking allergist. And also got, I had a breathing treatment. And yeah, my asthma is bad, as anybody who listens to this podcast can probably tell you. But I'm working on that also. Um, man, they started doing the, uh, the poke test, not necessarily the needle one yet. My arms start swelling up. I look like kill, like a fat version of Killmonger when he took his shirt off. I just had fucking whelps all up my arm. I'm allergic to like everything, bro. That shit is crazy. I thought I had food allergies, but apparently it was just. The allergies of like just the air in general were affecting me. Had nothing to do with food allergies. Nigga, I am allergic to all grass. I'm allergic to cats, which is a good thing to find out now because I was actually thinking about getting a cat. Don't tell Cooper because I don't know how he was going to react. He's looking at me right now. But um <laughs> I was nervous like I was I was gonna be allergic to his ass. Oh now this motherfucker's coming around. Everybody just be quiet and he'll move. He's looking at my hand. If we just be quiet enough, he will move. He's not moving. Um <laughs> so I was nervous that I was gonna be allergic to Cooper. But I've had this motherfucker for five years. I was just going to be like, well, ride this one out till the wheels fall off. I can't get rid of the koopy. She asked me what kind of dog I had, and I told her a basset hound, and she started laughing. And then I was like, why does everybody laugh when I tell them I have a basset hound? I mean, he looks exactly how you would think a basset hound looks. Just all sad and depressed, and the only way you can tell he's happy is his tail is wagging while looking. Like the saddest boy in the world. But that's my dog. Anyway. I'm wearing all type of grass. Trees and shit. And I'm like how the fuck. As a human being. Am I allergic to everything that's on earth. That's crazy. Like to be born. And just allergic to. Just normal conditions of earth. Is fucking weird. But yeah. So I've been doing that. Also saw a dermatologist last week. Yeah, man, I'm I'm out here being fully proactive. 
which is a big step for me. A lot of times I just sit and mope. But, you know, I feel like, I mean, you only live once. You might as well enjoy life while you're here. Spent too much time being a sad, emo-ass fucking boy. Might as well enjoy my life. But, yeah. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. I'm just going to keep recording throughout the night. And I'll edit this all together. But, yeah. Last week. Well, a lot of things happened last week. And a lot of things happened last week that will feed into where I eventually land on this section. Okay. For one, there was big shakeups at uh, two major news corporations. One was CNN. Um, Don Lemon, who has been with CNN, I believe, 16, 17 years, um, was fired. And Don Lemon was fired, I'm sure, for multiple reasons. But one of the reasons that they used was him pushing back against the guests who was spreading misinformation about African-American history and how we got our... uh, (sighs) He was more or less selling white supremacist talking points about that the NRA some kind of way helped African-Americans get their freedom, which is total bullshit. And it's bullshit for multiple reasons. For one, the NRA pushed for gun control in the 1960s when the Black Panther Party started and they were open carrying in the state of California. That is why the state of California does not have open carry to this day. So the idea... That you would give credit for the NRA back in the 1870s, I believe is when it was created, and said that that's how black people got their rights, even though we know the modern civil rights movement happened in the 50s. And yeah, total lies. Don Lemon rightfully pushed back against this. And apparently, that was the final straw for him at CNN. I don't know why I'm feeling winded. Um, So that happened on the exact same day, Tucker Carlson, who is the number who was the number one talk show host at uh, Fox News, was also fired. Tucker Carlson um, also. So the week before. Dominion, which uh, is the company that does a lot of the. The voter machines for elections um, sued Fox News for misinformation and disinformation from the 2020 election where they falsely said that Donald Trump was. um, It was several things. They pretty much were just saying that the election was stolen and they were blaming Dominion for a lot of the reasons for that dominion rightfully was like no the fuck y'all ain't and sued them 
and the trial was about to start. And in discovery, which is when a case is uh, coming up, and they're getting all, they're digging, get information about said case. A lot of text messages and other things were found about Fox News where they purposely knew that they were spreading lies and misinformation. And culprits of that was Tucker Carlson, who rightfully knew Donald Trump lost that election. But they were all in the case of making it to where they got to keep these ratings up. They got to spread the lie. And Fox News settled for close to a billion dollars with Dominion right before the case was, I mean, right before the trial was about to start. Fast forward to um, the next week. Tucker Carlson is uh, fired. And people at first were like, well, where the fuck is this coming from? A lot of people thought it was based on the Dominion thing. Because, I mean, timing was the week after <laughs> your boss gives up almost a billion dollars, they fire you because you're one of the main reasons why they're doing it. I mean, that makes sense. But Tucker Carlson has been known to use vividly white supremacist talking points in his uh in his shows. Like I'm not just talking like abstract, just saying that like broadly white supremacist talking points. No, I'm talking about literally white supremacist talking points. Talking about replacement theory and things like that. But it seems Tucker Carlson started applying a little too close to the sun and to where Fox News decided that we need to get the fuck out of this Tucker Carlson business while we can. They got some of his text messages. And then some of them, he's calling his uh some of his female bosses the C word and being just a, a dickhead. Because, you know, look at that fucking face. Tucker Carlson has the most punchable fucking face of anybody on the news or was on the news. But let me read to you. All right. So this is one of the things that was discovered in Discovery. This is from Tucker Carlson. This is on January 7th, 2021. January 7th, 2021. Which most of us know is the day after the insurrection. I'm going to try to read this like Tucker Carlson's bitch ass. A couple of weeks ago. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago. I was watching video of people fighting on the street in Washington. A group of Trump guys surrounded Antifa kid and started pounding the living shit out of him. It was three against one, at least jumping a guy like this is a dishonor. This is dishonorable. Obviously, it's not how white men fight. Yet suddenly I found myself rooting for the mob against the man, hoping they hit him harder, kill him. I really wanted them to hurt the kid. I could taste it. Then somewhere deep in my brain, an alarm went off. This isn't good for me. I'm becoming something I don't want to be. The Antifa creep is a human being. (laughs) Much as I despise 
what he says and does much as I'm sure I'd hate him personally if I knew him. I shouldn't gloat over the suffering. I should be bothered by it. I should remember that somebody, somewhere, somebody probably, probably loves this kid and would be crushed if he was killed. If I don't care about those things, if I reduce people to their politics, how am I better than he is? Without any irony in the fucking world. That son of a bitch <laughs> said that's not how white men fight. You know, just jumping motherfuckers. Because, you know, it's never been a time period in American history where groups of white people attacked one person. I'm not going to say what race, what group of people. We know I can't say that. <laughs> well, any irony in the world, that's not how white men fight. And that's sent off the alarm whistles at Fox News are like, hold up. This nigga tripping. <laughs> or I don't even know if that happened because, I mean, that was two years ago. As much as that shit was coming out and people were like, hold up, this nigga tripping on our dime. Let's distance ourselves away from him. And, you know, of course, Fox News uh, ratings have went down because their cultish fan base didn't like that their fearless leader was taken off the goddamn air. That's not how white men fight. In the last couple of weeks, there have been a lot of incidents of vigil- vigilanteism. I believe I'm saying that right. <laughs> but yeah, vigilantes. A couple weeks ago, we have a 16-year-old black kid go to the wrong house, ring the doorbell because he thought he was trying to get, he was trying to pick up his younger twin brothers from a friend's house, and he went to the wrong house, accidentally wound it up uh, at the house of an 80-something-year-old white man. According to the kid, It takes a while for the person to come to the door. When they get to the door, they shoot him through the fucking window. I mean, the glass door in the head. Then the older white man comes out on the porch and shoots the kid in the arm. The kid flees and tries to get help. He goes to three different houses found finally ends up at a house and when he announces himself at the house the homeowner because it's 10 o'clock at night I'll give you a benefit of doubt for this one he tells the kid to put his hands up and the kid puts his hands up and passes out luckily the child survives that old white man does not get arrested initially at least he does not get arrested public outrage comes out people's feet are held to the fire and the white man is uh, charged with I believe assault first in Missouri which is 
I'm not for sure on this. But according to what I've seen, is the equivalent of attempted murder based on the sentencing and everything else. That white man is arrested. Also, around the same time, a group of uh, young people are lost. I believe in upstate New York. They are lost in a rural part of the country. Just out in the boondocks. They don't have good service and they get lost. So they pull into a driveway. As they are pulling out of the driveway, a man in the house shoots at the car. And the car speeds off and winds up at a cemetery where they're able to get in touch with um, 911 and tell them that a young woman has been shot. This is a white woman. A young white woman has been shot in that car. She eventually dies. The police show up to the house where the man shot into the car and have a standoff with the man. He is eventually taken in alive. Fast forward. couple of days ago, there's a viral clip of a group of uh, shoplifters going to TJ Maxx and they just walk out. Now, anybody with sense knows that retail workers are told that they should not try to intervene or pursue criminals in the act of stealing because, I mean, the liability goes against said company. And then plus you could lose your life. A whole bunch of other things can happen. So of course. None of the workers try to stop everything. But there's this one man who feels like he's seen enough. And it's a group of black women who are one shoplifting. And he stops one of the black women. He just starts beating her. Beating her. And people are just... Like, oh, so finally somebody's standing up for the right thing. You know, I mean, this is America's just getting out of control. And let's get to our final point New York City. On the subway, there is a young man who I believe is 30. This young man's name is Jordan Neely. Jordan Neely is known as a subway performer who is uh, a Michael Jackson impersonator who from all the video I've seen is a damn good, was a damn good Michael Jackson impersonator. It's a little bit off subject. I've always had this running uh, idea. Feel free to steal this if y'all want because I just want to see this shit happen. Every city has a Michael Jackson impersonator. Even Huntsville. There's a Michael Jackson impersonator in Huntsville that dances at gas stations. That nigga's fucking talented. What if we had a global Michael Jackson impersonator com- like competition and we aired it? Where Michael Jackson from each hometown 
around America just compete over who is the best or who is the baddest. Ladies and gentlemen, what if we had a show called Who's Bad? The search for the ultimate Michael Jackson impersonator. Hey, Hollywood, hit me up. It's a writer's strike. Y'all ain't got shit else going on. I got golden ideas over here. I would not normally go across picket lines because I support unions. But if my goddamn dream is going to be made, I will do that shit. (laughs) Anyway. Back to serious shit. So. Jordan Neely. He's just ranting and he's clearly in distress. I mean, that's understood. But he is just like going off. He's like, I I haven't had anything to drink. I haven't had any food. I am in distress and I don't care if I go to jail is what some of the witnesses said. He said in the middle of all this melee, he's just I mean, he's on. We we have all encountered, especially with homeless people, some people are not mentally well. We have encountered things that are strange or that we might deem as strange, but sometimes we can tell that this person is in distress. At this moment, a 24-year-old former Marine, I believe, decides that he's just going to stop this shit. So he runs up behind him and puts him in a chokehold. If there's any racist listening, um, they'll say it wasn't a chokehold or some bullshit, whatever the fuck. I wouldn't normally address these things, but I'll entertain you fucking fascists for a fucking second and say he put him in some kind of fucking submission. I think that's bullshit, but we'll entertain it for this fucking dumbass fucking moment for now. He keeps the person in submission for 15 fucking minutes. While Jordan is flailing his arms and yelling because he's being choked to death. And part of this is video. I've not watched this video because I cannot bear to watch another video of a lynching, which it is, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Eventually, Jordan's body stops flailing, and he is not moving. And somebody puts him on his side, saying that he might choke on his own spit. First responders arrive. And Jordan is dead. Now you may be wondering why I'm saying Jordan's name and not the motherfucker's name who fucking killed him. That is because the 24 year old white man has not been identified and has not been fucking arrested. And people applauded that young man. The person that murdered a mentally ill homeless person on the fucking subway 
and have been doing the normal shit that they usually fucking do when a black person is murdered by state institutions or by a white person who deputizes themselves as acting on behalf of the state. State of which is white supremacy. Now, people may push back against that. I don't give a fuck because that's what fucking happened. There's a phrase that's often spoken in incidents like this, usually by police. I feared for my life. You know, I just just didn't like the look in his eyes. I feared for my life. What seems to be the thing now, along with fearing for your life, is just making white people uncomfortable, which is something that black people have always known, can literally lead to our fucking death. Making a motherfucker uncomfortable can lead to our fucking death. And this does extend past just being black or a minority. For instance, when people try to say, uh, like, when a man kills a woman and they found out she turned him down for a date and they try to victim blame the fucking person and be like, you embarrassed him. What was he going to do? Not fucking kill somebody. Let's start with that. You know, I mean, making people feel uncomfortable by being quote unquote erratic shouldn't be a fucking death sentence, especially with these sick ass motherfuckers out here running our goddamn country who are acting fucking erratic. I say all this. To lead back to one thing. That's not how white men fight. People have been getting mad that people have been comparing the Jordan Neely situation, or not a situation, the murder of Jordan Neely to a lynching. I have seen some of these accounts say, well, I mean, the Marines should be arrested. But I mean, comparing uh, saying it's a lynching is a bit too far. He's not Emmett Till. Which we'll talk about in a second, too. If you look up the literal definition of lynching, Jordan Neely was lynched. Ahmaud Aubrey was lynched. George Floyd was lynched. And a host of other black people, not limited to Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, Sandra Bland, and the list goes on, are black people who have been lynched in modern times. Just because it's not a goddamn rope does not make it not a lynching. But according to old Tucker Carlson, that's not how white men fight. That's not how white men fight. They don't just gang up and, you know, kill a motherfucker and then the state doesn't hold them accountable. I mean, there's a long history in this country of that. 
when they started using the fucking phrase law and order. That was a dog whistle. Law and order. The law, state functioned and uh, funded police. Um, just the criminal justice system in itself, and then order. Order is a little different. They always like to police our bodies. What we may do might not be illegal, but it makes them uncomfortable. And order is important to them. Order. And at that time, if a a police officer or a qualified officer of the peace is not available, any white man can put himself into that situation. And y'all might think I'm fucking bullshitting, but there is a long history of the law of people appointing themselves as justices of the law. Barkeeps. Just people in general. Store owners. This is written in the fucking law. And white people know this shit. Order. That is how white men fight. Anything out of order can lead to your fucking death. It doesn't matter if you're black, you're Hispanic, you're gay, straight, a woman, non-binary, Native American. It doesn't fucking matter. If you're not doing what the fuck they want you to do, you can literally fucking die. And they want you to know that. So you live in fear. Or they want you to live in fear. Instead of calling them out on their fucking bullshit. That's not how white men fight. Judicial, extrajudicial, it don't matter. If they got to round you up and hang you from a tree or put you in a fucking chokehold for 15 fucking minutes and you die and you get to go home because you did your job. The execution of minorities at the hands of order is what I'm fucking talking about. And yeah, I'm fucking mad. Because I'm tired. I'm 34 years old, which might not seem old to some of you and might seem ancient to others of you. But the thing that pisses me off the fucking most is I keep seeing this shit fucking happen. And then a motherfucker will get on fucking social media or get on the goddamn news and act like I'm not seeing what the fuck I'm seeing. I'm seeing it because I know how white men fight. I've been chased in cars. Accused of selling drugs. Accused of robbing stores. One time... A group of my friends were literally chased out of Newmarket because people said we 
stole like we were uh, robbing a, a a gas station. Chased. This is 2008. We're in a car on the floor praying that people don't fucking kill us because we're not in order or their perceived order. So y'all can save me with all that bullshit. Last thing, because I'm getting fucking mad. Last week, we lost three people. First person is Harry Belafonte at the age of 96. His loss is important because we are losing people from that civil rights movement. And Harry Belafonte was an entertainer, but he financed a lot of the civil rights movement out of his own pocket and, and raised money. And he was involved with every movement after the Dr. King civil rights movement up through Kaepernick, up through Black Lives Matter. Harry Belfonte was a real one. And he was bigger than his art. And I want people to like go back and look. Um, in 1968, Harry Belafonte became the first guest host of The Tonight Show for Johnny Carson. The week he was the host, he had like a murderer's row list of guests. He had Dr. King, RFK, Robert Kennedy. Same year they died. He had Aretha Franklin. Um, just amazing people the, the week he did it. And a lot of that footage has, just, has been destroyed. Not maliciously, but it's just been destroyed over time. But there's a documentary on Peacock. Uh, called The Sit-In and they talk about it. Great documentary also. So, rest in peace to Harry Belafonte. Also, on a side note, Harry Belafonte's music means a lot to me because when I've talked about this on the podcast, one of the videos I used to watch all the time as a kid was Sebastian's Caribbean Jamboree featuring Samrat <laughs> which was a live concert done by Sam Wright who was the uh, the voice of Sebastian on the original Little Mermaid one of the songs that he sings uh, uh, and well two of the songs he sings are Harry Belafonte songs I also have this album well I have the album that this this song comes these songs come from on vinyl. It was one of the first things I ever had on vinyl. Dale, Dale, daylight come and me wanna go home. Day, me see day, me see day, me see day, me see day. 
Daylight come and me won't go home. Work all night on a drink of rum. Daylight come and me won't. <laughs> but yeah. Also, I loved a lot of Harry Belafonte's songs because I loved the movie Beetlejuice when I was younger. And his music is all throughout that. And lastly, my oldest nephew, who graduates from high school in a couple of weeks, when he was in his mother's belly, I used to sing Deo to him because his name partially has Day in it. And when that little boy was born and I was at the hospital and I sang it, he looked up. I was like, I know that song. So, yeah. So, rest in peace to Harry Belafonte. Our next person is a very controversial person. Uh, Jerry Springer. Which, if you are my age, if you're a millennial or a Gen Xer, or hell, a baby boomer at this point, Jerry Springer ruled the 90s. Jerry Springer is so iconic that he is like a phrase for just having a fucked up life. <laughs> like, when people just use your name to be like, oh, this is some Jerry Springer shit, nothing good is going on. Jerry Springer was a fucking lawyer and a politician and then made the trashiest show of all time until Steve Wilkos came along, who is also in that Jerry uh, Springer family. You know how crazy Jerry Springer used to be? They used to have like Klansmen fighting like, I almost said something that was fucked up. We don't use some, some of these words. So, Clan's been fighting little people. <laughs> just, just crazy stuff. And, you know, some of this stuff didn't age well. You know, he was talking about like transgender people and a lot of fucked up ways. Well, he wasn't. It's was just the timing. But it was like, it was more or less, they were just like, man, look at these fucked up people. It's fucked up. But you can't take away the social significance of it. So we lost Jerry Springer. And, you know, motherfuckers tried to fucking uh, make us feel bad for being like, yo, we, like, Jerry, look, you know, the white, the, the couple of white people that all of us grew up in the uh, late. 90s and early 2000s when we were out of school in the summer. Uh, <laughs> Bob Barker, because Price is Right was prime, I'm sick at home TV. Yeah, Price is Right. You had Jerry Springer, you had Mari. What's that dude from the soaps? Victor Newman. Just a whole bunch of white people that were there. To help raise us through the TV with a fucked up ass fucking shows. So, RIP to Jerry Springer.
Now this next person I will not be saying R.I.P. to a matter of fact May she rest in piss <laughs> On April the 27th Carolyn Brian Dunham died Now some of you may be wondering Who the fuck is that? And let me Let's give you a little refresher In August Of 1955 There Was A 14 year old boy From Chicago Who was staying with family During the summer In Mississippi He was staying with his cousins and great uncle, I believe, in Money, Mississippi. Him and his cousins go to a local general store. And there's still a dispute about what happened for whatever reason. It is alleged that this young man whistles at the storekeeper's wife who was there or is also alleged that he may have this is not true but anyway I'm not even going to dwell on that later two white men show up at the young man's uncle's house and they abduct that 14 year old boy they beat him they castrate him And they tie a fan to his neck and they throw him in the river. When the body of that young boy is found. And he is taken back to Chicago. His mother. Goes to identify him. And she can barely recognize him. And. Being the badass woman she was makes the decision that she is going to have an open casket and there will be pictures of her son to let them know what those white men did to him. That lady's name is Mamie Teal and her son was Emmett Teal. Eventually, those white men go to trial. And, of course, because it's in the great state of Mississippi, they go free. The storekeeper's wife was Carolyn Dunham. And at the age of 88, on April the 27th, she died of old age. A couple months ago, the state of Mississippi said they would not be trying her, even though they found a warrant for her for false information. 
So this woman was able to die of old age, something that Emmett and so many other black and brown and gay and non-binary people have not been able to do. Because we know that's how white men fight. Thanks for tuning in. You can find all of our links and merchandise at www.thesuburbanpodcast.com. You can also get your listens in on any of these streaming services, such as Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe.